Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop, and I am on with Kim. And Kim and I are going to get into a topic that I think has affected everyone in some way or the other, whether it's entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship, just thinking differently, taking risks, owning our risks. Um, Kim, please give me a little bit of a bio on yourself and let's get into this topic. Sure. So I'm an accidental entrepreneur, which is I think really important to say because I think sometimes when you hear about entrepreneurship, you hear about people who were like born with it and had lemonade stands and sold candy in the back of the bus. And I was the one buying candy from the people who sold it. So it was not something that was on my radar, but 10 years ago, entrepreneurship found me. And so that is what I have been keeping myself busy with these last couple of years. Amazing, amazing. And define um, accidental. Is it that you saw a need, someone called upon you? What was that accident that took place? Me, all of the above. (laughs) Called upon, saw a need, all the things. And so, but what I think is really interesting is the company that I started with my former co-founder back in January of 2011 is so drastically different than what it looks like now. And I think it's so important because I think so many people get stuck in that I started this one company, you know, we sold peanut butter and now for the next 10 years I have to sell peanut butter. And I think as fast as our world is changing and as many times you're pivoting and making new decisions and reacting to research and reacting to consumer wants, you know, it's definitely not the same that it was in 2011 to where we are in, in 2020. It's, it's a whole different animal in the best way possible. Yeah. Now, do you think that um, you had that sort of open mindedness and that curiosity and that eventually wanting to, you know, work for yourself and kind of kind of own your 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 life to a certain extent? Did you did you have that inclination or did you discover it during the process? I think I discovered it, but I was always very scrappy. So I graduated from university in 2008, height of the recession. No one was getting jobs. It was very doom and gloom. I managed to secure a job, but it was like full-time freelance, which basically means you're working full-time with no health insurance or benefits. (laughs) So it was like by the skin of my teeth, I, I got in there. And so in 2008, everything was on a budget everything for anyone who used to watch the show macgyver you know back in the 80s and 90s when you were growing up it was like you have duct tape and a paper clip and an intern like make it work (laughs) you know or or project runway where it's like make it work i don't know and so i think that sort of scrappy nature when it came to work you know, we all have no choice for anybody else who graduated in 2007 or 2008 or 2009 when the market was just crazy. And and ironically, I see a lot of the things going on now with people who are graduating in 2020 or graduating in 2021. You know, that scrappiness that, okay, we got to come up with new solutions and make it work. I think the people who saw it in 08 are definitely going to be way better prepared for COVID than people who have not gone through it because it is a whole attitude shift, that sort of make it work mentality. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, here we are on on a podcast that 
is so easy to do and so easy to get into. You know, we're both entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. You know, we're running our businesses respectively, and we're going through the process. We're creating content. You know, as we go, what what a phenomenal paradigm shift to to where we're coming from. You know, yeah, it's it's actually kind of crazy, and I have to really you know stay true on on documenting the process and documenting not only the good days but the bad days. I think yeah. social media is uh, a greatest hit album. You know, everything like rainbows and unicorns and right. lattes with little shapes in them. And so <laughs> I really have to stay authentic on social media channels and say, you know, yeah, today sucked. <laughs> today was a really bad day. And just trying to be open about that so we can get some get some other people who are going, oh good, I'm not alone in, in that feeling. Well, yeah. And I think I think what, what you're tapping into is is something that everyone talks about nowadays, which is, you know, these cliched terms now, authenticity and, you know, being vulnerable, but it's, it's, it's hard to actually get into a flow and to, and to make that part of a, of an ongoing process, you know? And I think the reason why people do it is because they see all the amazing benefits of like empathy, <laughs> you know? Like, Crazy, right? And then, <laughs> you know, I was getting my haircut yesterday and, um, the wonderful man who does my hair said something and it just so it stuck with me, which is kindness is free, you know, holding the door for someone, complimenting someone, asking your coworker if they need help, you know, that is free. That costs nothing. Anyone can do it, whether you are the CEO or the assistant. So it's really something I think, especially to keep in mind right now. Mm, yeah. And, and how would you say that um, that video as a medium has helped you to share your brand story? What what have you done on LinkedIn or social or, or any type of capturing sharing? I think video for me has been really powerful because you can really communicate emotions, you know? You can really, people can read it all on your face. You know, there, there's a reason why they say a picture is, you know, worth a thousand words. You know, you can really see on people's facial expressions, I'm having a bad day or, man, this is such a great win or here's a tip I wish I would have known. And I think that's really powerful. Not that the written word isn't powerful because it definitely is, but I think when you actually see people's emotions and, and get that vibe from them, it's, it's really it's really powerful when you when you put it all together. And, and why, why would you say uh, not only I think two or three percent of the people on LinkedIn actually use it to create and to share content and the 97, 98 percent are the ones that are on the side sidelines just viewing it. Why do you think that massive uh, disparate distance exists? Oh my gosh, I think it's a, a plethora of reasons. But if I had to pick two, I would say one is everybody has enough self-doubt to fill a room. You know, I don't have anything to add. I don't have anything of worth. Nobody wants to hear from me. You know, these are all internal messages that, that we tell ourselves. So when you look at the 97% of people don't share, I think they think that they have nothing to share. Now, that's not true. And, and everybody has something to share and everybody has something to give. But I think that that internal messaging is is super hard and a super hard i mean it's still a hard hurdle for me to get through and i've been posting videos for years now and i still think oh my god should i post this is anyone going to care i mean i'm i'm still facing that so i think that's number one and then i think number two 
you know, people think, well, if I don't have anything good to share, then I can't share anything at all. You know, if I'm if I'm not getting a promotion, if I'm not in a PR story, then I just I have nothing to share. And so I think that those two things, when LinkedIn maybe first started, it was all about you know switching jobs or you know you had some sort of announcement, and that's why you posted. And I think now it's moving to a much more educational platform where you're really going to learn about business and your career and your industry that you work in. You know, LinkedIn stories recently dropped and I think I think it's worldwide. I'm not entirely sure. I've, I've done that now, I think three, and I was kind of blown away with the results. I instantly got more traction than I, than I even anticipated. And I think the reason why is because people just don't know how to use this tool yet, you know? And frankly, a lot of people don't even know how to share this idea of these ephemeral stories that have existed on, you know, Snapchat and Instagram and, and everything else, even TikTok to a certain extent. Um, but what is your take on on this idea of quick storytelling, you know, in, in the in the shortest form possible, like what we see in Instagram stories, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn stories? I think it's super powerful. And I think a lot of times, you know, you want to communicate clearly and concisely. I hear like the English teacher from high school <laughs> chirping in my ear, clear and concise when you're writing. And so I think we've gotten that same way with video, you know, with Instagram stories, you have to be straight and clear and to the point and concise with what you're saying and take out a lot of the filler words and take out a lot of the ums and uhs and, you know, just try to deliver your message as fast as you can. And here's kind of a specific question of that is that there's this there's this shift that happens, you know, stories came from this, the consumer world, quote unquote, it came from Snapchat and Instagram. And and, and maybe you, one could argue it came from a, a way younger demographic than what we see on LinkedIn. I mean, I think we can all agree that's true. Um, <clears throat> the idea of stories for business that to me is is a is a massive paradigm shift because when we're doing stories we're just floating around town we're 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 floating in our house we cooked a, a meal we just realized something we had a fun moment you know our zoom call just bombed you know um, what i've noticed is a lot more comments lately on linkedin where people say hey this is a business community this is for business this is not for that stuff please get that out of here i've seen that for politics i've seen that for kind of personal stuff I've seen it for a number of things. What is your take on that in terms of the shift from, you know, we are people versus we are business people? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, listen, at the end of the day, we bring our whole selves to work. And, you know, we're, we're one human, we're one brain, we're one body, we're, we're bringing it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all coming with us. So I think at the end of the day, you really are bringing your whole self to work. I would say what I'm really excited about, especially with LinkedIn stories and with just LinkedIn content is unlike maybe Instagram or Snapchat or some of these other platforms, I think LinkedIn has a real place in the educational business context because I tell people all the time, you don't get the soft skills from a book. I don't care what university you went to. I don't care what doctorate degrees you have. The soft skills, the internships, the sort of on-the-job training, the sending the wrong email, the forgetting somebody's name, like that is real-life experience. And the faster that you can learn that without sending the wrong email or without sending, you know, saying someone's name's wrong, 
that's going to be huge. So if we can communicate to the next generation or people in our generation or older than us or whatever, you know, hey, here's a tip that I learned to make sure that you never send a wrong email again. Here's a plugin that you can retract an email within 30 seconds. I'm going to see that and go, oh my gosh, I need that plugin. You know, thank you so much for telling me about that. So as much as we can help each other in work and career, especially when it's things like soft skills, listen, technology is is changing so rapidly. We're all on the learning curve. We're all trying to keep up with the LinkedIn stories and the Instagram stories and the TikToks. And so as much as we can learn and help out each other, to me, I think that's where LinkedIn is going to have its biggest win because a lot of those other platforms are exactly like what you said. It's vacation, it's food. It's not necessarily career. And I think LinkedIn has a great opportunity to say, listen, all those tips and tricks and the things that you love from these other platforms, they're going to be here too, but they're just going to have like a career overlay, which is super special. Yeah, I so agree with you. I mean, I when I think of um, when I think of some of the stuff that I see in my LinkedIn feed, I see what I might see at a business lunch, you know, at the water cooler, at the at the company picnic where I'm playing, you know, table tennis with my with my work colleagues. It's not going to always be about business. It's also going to be about our lives and you know how we're homeschooling and how what we're eating and <laughs> if we're tired of washing dishes and. You know, the, these things, I think, to so many uh, on so many levels are, are us as individuals. And to your point, it's it's our whole life that we're bringing to work now. There's no yeah. there's no more work life balance. Right. Especially now in COVID. You know, I keep telling people we're not working from home. We are living from work. So if anybody has tips or tricks or I'm finding that time blocking is really helping or here's an app that can help, you know, I'm all for it. Listen, we all need, this is an unprecedented situation. No one's ever seen anything like this before. So we all really have to help each other. Yeah, so true, so true. Um, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned empathy uh, before and I think it's something that is is widely misinterpreted. People, you know, people still don't understand the difference between empathy and sympathy. And, you know, there's this there's this visual that I keep going to in my mind to help me to really understand and to really internalize what empathy truly means, which is that famous sort of illustration of two faces and then there being like a vase in between them. And the reason why that has stuck for me personally is because in order to feel emotion into someone else, you have to kind of feel it in, in, inside yourself. You have to go and tap into something that happened in your life at some point. And then something that you felt, you know, and from that comes this trophy. It's this face. And, you know, I keep kind of going back to that. What is your, what is your take on, on empathy right now? How is it something that we can learn more about, use more in our business and, and be so overly honest about it that it doesn't come off like we're trying too hard. I think the fastest way to really start implementing empathy in your life is to slow down. You know, I am guilty of this too, but we are all moving at a million miles an hour and I wake up and then I got to get to my desk and I need this and I need that and I need that report and this. And it's like, slow down, take, take a deep breath, and before you start saying, I need this, and what's this, and what's the update on this, stop, <laughs> you know, and and say like, good morning. You know, I can't tell you how many times, especially now with COVID, that we've lost 
um, we've lost those sort of social skills, the like, good morning, how are you? you know, how was your weekend? And those things are important. They're important as you start to build empathy and build relationships because you'll be surprised when you take a second, take a breather, when you ask someone really, how are you or how was your weekend? You know, you can learn a lot from that, especially with clients for anybody in sales or who's doing client work before you just start rambling off something, really stop and take a moment to connect with that person because they might give you a little clue or insight of where they're having trouble or something that you can then help them with. And so I think that the first real step to empathy is just slowing down enough to, <laughs> to actually ask other people how they're doing. Mm. And what, what do you what do you think holds people back from from taking that time? Uh, I think we live in a world of, of these things and and efficiency, and we're all so efficient. And our time is so measured, and how can I optimize the day? And you know, you have people like Tim Ferriss with the four hour work week, or Gary Vee with this is what we're doing with time blocking, and so we're and notifications popping up on your phone. I mean. We're inundated with this constant message of now, 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 fast, 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 update, update, update. And you have to you have to actively kind of fight against that because that's the message around us all the time. You know, when people are pinging emails at two in the morning, this sort of constant theme. And I think that that's what makes us so great in the U.S. is that we do have this culture of you know, really working hard and, and getting it done and hustling. But I think when you look at other countries and even on a global scale, you know, a lot of people don't live like this. I always say for my friends who live in London and the UK, you know, they take the entire month of August off. You know, pe people go on holiday. People are like not there. And so I think culturally, we have been so inundated with this fast, 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 now, 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 that kind of going back to maybe a, a slightly slower time. I say that sitting in the middle of New York City, which is <laughs> the busiest, craziest city in the world. But just taking that that extra half beat to, to slow down a little bit, I think is really important. Yeah, you're so right. I'm so with you on that. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot is this idea of going horizontal versus going vertical. And I think a lot of us are stuck into this mentality where we, we we want to go more horizontal. We want more followers. We want more leads. We want more meetings, more bookings, more, you know, X, Y, and Z constantly, you know? And, and the sad reality is that it's, you, you can't go, you can't do both, you know, to a right. certain extent, you can't do both. And that how many missed opportunities are there from continuing the conversation in one LinkedIn post or having a, a 30 minute meeting with someone instead of a quick, you know, social, post or something, you know, what are the missed opportunities in, in going deep in going vertical on subject matter conversations with people so that we can listen so that we can provide value so that we can provide empathy and, and ultimately, um, you know, grow ourselves help others grow. Uh, what is your take on that? Do you find yourself ever, ever sort of in that predicament where you're like, God, I, I just I want to spend more time on this. <laughs> Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, you have to leave room for life's magic. And you have to not only leave room, you have to make room for life's magic. And I'll give you an example. But you know, one of the ways that I feel like you can really activate life's magic, and it's the opposite of what most people think, 
is that you you can honestly go and ask for help. And I know that everyone, especially women, we have this superman complex of I will do the work and the laundry and cook dinner and get the kids to school. And like I need help from no one. And you and it's sort of this badge of honor that we wear is like I hustled the hardest. I got the least amount of sleep. I did the best cupcakes for the fifth grade class, you know. You're in this mentality of I'm going to do everything. And it's when you start asking for help that life's magic really starts to happen. It's when you stop and say, you know, I know I'm supposed to be building this website for work, but I'm stuck and posting on LinkedIn. Does anyone know anything about SEO? I really need help. And all of a sudden, before you know it, a friend's roommate's sister knows everything about SEO and they want to take on a new client for free as part of their case study portfolio. You know, like putting it out there and letting your network and kind of letting that life's magic happen. Or even using the example I stated before, when somebody, a friend or a family member or a coworker asked, how are you? Everybody's instinct is to say, fine, I'm fine. You know, I'm good. I'm fine. It's great. How are you? And meanwhile, things could be crumbling, but your first instinct is, I'm fine. And so instead, you know, kind of adding on that saying, I'm fine, but I'm really needing help with SEO right now, or I'm fine. And I'd really love someone to help me build a website, but I just don't know. Then all of a sudden you're creating an opportunity and you're creating a space for someone to say, well, now that you mention it, my boyfriend's company works on websites, or now that you mention it, my mom, you know, can help find someone with SEO. It's like using that opportunity, even if it's just how are you, to allow life's magic to come to you is, is huge. And I, I do it all the time, or at least I try to, because you'll be surprised how many people are there to help you and know a friend. <laughs> <laughs> God, that is so good. I, you're so right about that. I mean, as, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking about the times where I've noticed posts where people ask for help. And what I love about those posts is that it's actually someone not trying to be a thought leader. <laughs> like, isn't that what we need more of? We need less oh, thought dude. leaders. We need, we need thought inquirers and thought seekers. You know? Exactly, and it's, it's so easy. And I feel like it's one of those things that once you get over the fact that, oh, I'm gonna ask for help, and. What if people think I'm incompetent or what if people think I'm bad at my job? It's like, we're all going through it. We right. all need help with something. And I'm truly a believer um, that phrase where it's um, many tasks, like master of none. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that it's okay to not know everything about totally. everything. You know? Totally, yeah. And when people specialize and say, okay, I'm going to... I'm gonna have somebody build my website and then I'm gonna have somebody help me with SEO and then I'm gonna have somebody help me with blog writing or, or you know, whatever it is, that's okay. It doesn't have to be everything all together in one person. Right, no, you're so right, I love that. You know, I think about, I think about this complex, this know-it-all complex that a lot of people have. And, you know, it comes from, I, play, I think, a place of fear, of insecurity, of not of of lack of security maybe in a profession you know specifically what i'm referring to is that i've noticed in my career that some of the most successful people not all but some of the most successful people 
are so proud to say, I am a numbskull. I have no idea how to do that. I am super ignorant. This person is the ex expert. I'm like a fool at this, you know? But you don't notice a lot of that sort of lower lower down, maybe on the totem pole. And I think, I think that's a product of, you know, there's all sorts of books written about this, this idea of, of humility and, you know, putting people on a pedestal, making them feel really good about themselves and sort of, you know, putting yourself maybe second, you know. Um, but this idea of, of saying that you're not good at something is actually the product of, I think, the best leaders because it's empowering, you know. It makes, it's always made me feel good when a boss might say, you know what, I don't know how to do that, so can you help me? <laughs> you know, I'll work twice as hard to get it done, you know. It's important, and I think what we're seeing now also is a lot of companies fail that have that same mentality that it's like, oh, I'm here and I can do everything. It's like, no, actually, there are companies now that just specialize in this one thing, and that's all they do. You know, and I think that that's important that you don't have to find somebody that's going to answer every single struggle that you have. It might be multiple people and picking up and seeing where everybody has strengths. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, this idea of, of vulnerability and putting others first, it takes a lot of guts. <laughs> it takes guts because if you're on LinkedIn, let's just say, use, continuing with this metaphor, and you say, I want to go and provide some value so that I grab people's, I'm going to create content to grab attention, right? That's the relationship here. And as a result of that, I'm going to somehow benefit from this, right? So it's selfish. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, greed is good to a certain extent, as long as everyone's, no one's getting hurt. Um, uh, but, but, at, but at that moment, you know, there is always an opportunity to say, how about I compliment someone? You know, how about I actually put someone else on my LinkedIn post? You know, how about I, I say working with this person has been magnificent and I would highly recommend that you speak to them. You know, to me, when someone actually takes the time to do that type of a shout out, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm like, my heart's open. I'm like, we, we gotta, we gotta get into this. You know, I gotta, I gotta understand who this person is. So what is your take on, on this idea of, of, you know, actually saying, you know what, I'm going to put my own needs aside and I'm going to promote someone else and I'm going to expect zero in return. Yeah, I mean, I think what's also really interesting, especially as we think about companies and, and whatnot, is not only, to your point, complimenting, I worked with this person and they were amazing, but also your internal team. You know, I see a lot of bosses who... Mm do a great job at saying, oh, I love this Tim Ferriss thing, or, oh, Gary, being so great, and, you know, here's the thing that my company is doing, and it's like, what about that project manager that is kicking butt? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. the long hours, doing the hard work, and so what I love to see is when other companies are not only, you know, touting their own successes or the successes of their clients or the partnership deals that they're able to do, but touting internal talent I mean, really, at the end of the day, we are nothing without the teams that we work with. I tell people all the time, it is not my company. It is not a one-man show. I have an amazing team behind me, and, and they're the magic ones. You know, it, it's not just the fact that you see me. I have, all, I have a team behind me that's phenomenal and some of the most amazing humans. And so that's the type of thing that I think I'm hopeful as we – 
kind of get into 2020 and a, a fresh new decade is ahead of us, but that corporations and companies and startups really realize that, again, going back to like bringing the whole person to work, you really have to celebrate. You have to celebrate the people that you work with instead of always focusing on these external goals or you know external celebrations. Sometimes it's just about celebrating what's internal and, and celebrating the people that are around you every day. Isn't that true? We we just there's something so quote unquote cool about complimenting the most popular person. Of course. <laughs> and there's of something course. so cool about that. But what's really cool is what you mentioned, which is the people that you're working with. I love that. That's so good. Absolutely. And I, I know that I'm always really refreshed and happy when I hear about other people or other entrepreneurs. And, you know, you have one set of entrepreneurs that when they get asked a question in an interview like this, you know, how do you do it all? They say, well, you know, I wake up at five in the morning and I meditate and I have a green juice and da da and then, which is fine, but then I, you know, talk to some entrepreneurs and, and they're honest. They say, I have an assistant. And without that assistant, I would die <laughs> because, you know, they take on such a load. And I think that's so refreshing to hear. So you're kind of like, oh, that's how they're able to do it all. It's not just that they're a superhuman and therefore, man, I can't compete with them because I need eight hours of sleep, but apparently they only need four. And, that's crazy. You know, really a lot of these people that you see, the, the Gary Vee's of the world, et cetera, they have a whole team of people helping them. It, it's not realistic for you to compare apples to apples, you to them. You, you don't have, you have no idea, especially in social media and Instagram and LinkedIn and whatnot. I mean, people have whole teams. I have a team, you know, it, it's not, I can't do everything. It's it's not possible. And so I think really celebrating those people that are helping you achieve your goal, that to me is powerful. Mm. All right. So I have you, you mentioned early in the conversation, you mentioned a couple of, of objections or sort of negative things that someone might say, reasons specifically, not why they're gonna post on on LinkedIn. So uh, this is something that I like to do sometimes, which is kind of fun. And I'm just gonna throw a bunch of statements at you and I want you to give me the counter statement, the truth, the inspiration, the motivation <laughs> to to my objection, to my 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 negativity. <laughs> All right. So are you down? Yeah. All good. right. So I can't post on LinkedIn because I'm too busy. To that, I would say you're not too busy. You're just not prioritizing. Hmm. So if I said that if you posted every day for a week on LinkedIn that someone was going to give you a million dollars, you wouldn't be too busy. You'd be like, oh, I think I can make time for that million dollars. So, so, and that's fine. And I think a lot of times, you know, COVID is a great example when people say, oh, I really want to learn a language. I'm making that up. Or, oh, I really wanted to read that book. Okay, we've been in COVID for six months. So if you're not actually making any movement towards those goals, they like weren't real goals. Right. <laughs> you, like, you wanted to say you wanted to learn a language, but like you didn't actually want to learn a language. <laughs> <laughs> so when people say I don't have time to post on LinkedIn, it's like then it's just not a priority for you. And right. maybe that's fine. But if you're like, you know what, I wanna make it a priority, 
you know, something that I do is I spend about an hour every Sunday, hour and a half, thinking about what I want to post for the week and kind of jotting down little notes or little things that I've heard or a podcast that I love that I want to share. And that helps me stay organized. So th there is always time if it's a priority for you. Boom. All right. Next is I can't delegate tasks because they just won't get done right. <laughs> I, I used to have this problem as well. And so I would say you have to find somebody or something, whether it's an app or a system that you can teach because one day you might be hit by a bus. And my team always laughs because I'm like, well, what if I get hit by a bus? <laughs> you know, you want to make sure the wheels are, are still turning. And you can look at big corporations like Bank of America. If one person doesn't show up, Bank of America doesn't go down. You know, they have systems for that. So you have to do that for your own life. And whether it's getting extra help or maybe it's an app or whatever it might be, you can outsource it as long as you teach whatever that is, a person, an app, et cetera, how you want something done. I can't and I won't compliment my teammates and my team members because I'm afraid that it'll go to their head and they'll leave me. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll ask for a raise that I cannot afford. I would say at the end of the day, listen, people are going to do what they're going to do. You can compliment them and they might stay longer. You can not compliment them. They might be faster. At the end of the day, they're going to do what's right for them. And so I think when I think about compliments or really praising people, you just have to think if the situations were reversed or if one, if you used to work at a corporate job and, and maybe you don't now or maybe you work in a different setting, what, did, what, what made you feel good? What, what had you coming into the office 20 minutes early or staying 30 minutes late? And my guess is that it was a supportive, awesome environment where you really liked your coworkers or you really enjoyed your boss. So staying that extra 20 minutes, it wasn't like, oh, God, I have to stay with Julie. It was, <laughs> oh, no problem, Julie. I'll stay back and help you really quick. We'll knock it out in half the time. Why? Because Julie is... is nice to you, quite frankly, that you get along. And so I think fostering that environment actually helps you succeed faster and helps your team and your organization move the ball forward in, at a faster pace than if you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, I can't start a business because I don't have startup capital. I have a I have a LinkedIn course coming out next month, actually, all about this very topic, bootstrapping. And I think it's something that we're going to see a lot of as we go into 2021, because a lot of VCs are in exactly that point. They're not handing out funds. Nobody knows what the future holds with COVID, with the election, with stock market. So you are going to see that pullback of venture dollars and, and angel dollars. And so I think what really we're gonna to have to see is bootstrapping and we're gonna to have to see people getting scrappy. The best advice I would say for people who think I don't have the money or I don't have the funding quite yet is start whatever it is you're thinking about as a side hustle. So the nights, the weekends, whatever it is, if you wanna start a peanut butter company, start making peanut butter on the weekends, sell it at the green market, or if it's a product, sell it on Etsy or, or some of these other sites. I think really starting small and seeing, is this an actual idea? It Could this be a real business? Because then 
when you get to the point of going to VCs or when you get to the point of going to angels, you actually have, you know, a trail of history. You can say, I've been, I started selling a one green market. We sold $20,000 of peanut butter. Then I expanded into three other green markets. Now we're selling $60,000 worth of peanut butter. And someone's going to look at and go, okay, you know, they're on a peanut butter roll. And so I think really starting small, especially if you don't have venture capital is going to be your best bet. Nice. And my final one is I simply don't have good luck. <laughs> well, I totally believe that luck is made. Going back to my thing of, of life's magic. And, you know, I have people for my whole life, people have said, well, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And yes, there are times where, you know, it is just the luck of the draw. But I think it's also having that vulnerability in the example I was using before to share, to say, I'm fine, but I need help building a website. And all of a sudden you get so lucky that the friend you were talking to has a boyfriend whose sister wants to build you a website for half the cost. Some might look at that and go, oh, she got so lucky. Someone <laughs> built her the website for half the cost. And it's like, well, no, you shared. And that was brave because sharing that you need help or sharing that you don't know it all is sort of scary and kind of the price of admission when you look at that life's magic. So I think the luck starts to happen when you put yourself out there. And so when people say, oh, she got so lucky that she got that promotion, it was like, no, well, she, you know, had quarterly meetings with her boss saying, what do I need to do to earn that promotion? Okay, let me go down the list. Let me check. Nobody told that person they had to have quarterly meetings. They they initiated it. They made it happen. And so I think a lot of times when you see luck, a lot of that luck is made. Boom. Love it. So talk to me about what you're up to. Um, I am, I'm a fan. I'd love to learn more about the course that you got coming up and some of the other materials that you have. Um, what's going on in your world? It's been really fun. I've been doing a lot of lives uh, on every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on LinkedIn and Facebook. I encourage everyone to join. It's my favorite meeting of the whole week. Essentially, it started because I realized that I was having these coffee meetings with these amazing founders or CEOs or executives. And what I started doing is sharing, sort of sharing these aha moments or sharing these book recommendations or sharing these little nuggets. And people were going, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, you know, you're so smart. And I'd be like, it's not me. I had coffee with this guy and he told me about it. <laughs> and what, what time zone is that? Um, Eastern. Got it. 1 p.m. Eastern time. Got and it. So, it's really just a space where I thought, okay, well, instead of just me having the coffee meeting with some of these people, why don't we have it live? And why doesn't everyone join? Everyone pull up a seat at the table. Everyone ask the question. So for example, tomorrow I have the CEO of Morning Brew, uh, which is an amazing newsletter. If you don't get it, it's sort of like the skim, but a little more business oriented, but uh, Alex. And so I've had um, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur, Jason Pfeiffer. I've had Jim Quick, who's a best-selling author. I've had Miss USA, Chesley Chris, like just really interesting people who have super cool perspectives on life and are really talented and smart and saying, let's all pull up a chair. Let's all learn together. So that has been kind of one of my favorite things every single week to have this community of amazing people that are all helping each other and, and we're all learning together. Hmm. And, and how would you say that, uh, 
How would you say that that being a creator and that having uh, videos on LinkedIn and uh, YouTube, I'm assuming? Yeah. Big on YouTube, I think you are. So how has that helped you in your business? How is that by, by creating all this content and by providing all this value and developing these relationships, how has this ultimately helped you out in, in your career uh, personally and professionally? It's, it's helped tremendously. And that's why I say to people all the time, like, please post, like, even if you're a salesperson or whatnot, because people don't buy from companies, people don't buy from websites, people don't buy from bio, bios, uh, people buy from people, people do business with people, people want to interact with other people. So I think when you can put a face, when you can put a name, when you can put real emotions, that is so unique because people see you and go, oh my gosh, you know, that, that's a real person on the other end. And there have been tons of studies that show if you have a website, for example, that has no human faces on it, that it, it can list the same information of everything they do as a marketing agency. And you could have that exact same information on a website that shows people's faces, you know, here's Julie, here's Jim, here's Rishi. And people will go towards the website that has faces. I mean, we're humans going back to like the cavemen days. Like we react to other faces and, and we want to interact with our, with our species. So, you know, not to get too uh, psychology 101, but I think when you start putting yourself out there, whether it's videos on LinkedIn or stories on Instagram, that's powerful because people actually see you as a person and want to connect with you and what you're doing. Amazing. Amazing. Kim, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate yeah. this, this, this time in this, in this combo, and I can't wait to get the word out about it. I'm excited. Well, thank you. And, and hopefully I'll see you tomorrow uh, on our coffee date. There you go. Sounds great. And uh, give us your uh, your website address. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, so I'm I'm on all the things, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn, all of it is just at my name, at Kim Kelp. Funny story, if you're searching for me on, let's say, Instagram, you start typing in K-I-M-K-A, and then I always joke, I'm the Kim K right under Kardashian. <laughs> okay. I'm the Kim K with the clothes on. So okay. when you see that, you know you've hit the right Kim <laughs> Okay. That sounds great. Amazing, Kim. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah. Well, we'd love to, at some point, we'd love to do like a webinar with you and get into kind of more some, some more tactical trainings. It sounds like you do a lot of that. So I love um, it. lots of stuff for the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Bye-bye.